In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, something that immediately strikes us as something which we wish were true. We love God. Do I love God with all my heart? Hopefully one day I know people, I think, who love God with all their heart. We look at the Blessed Virgin Mary and know that her Immaculate Heart and our Lord's Sacred Heart are perfectly united. They beat as one. To love the Lord your God with all your soul. We hear this and it sounds similar. It doesn't doesn't sound different from loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe you, you think of all your soul as something being even more profound and all your heart as your, even all of your emotions could be. But then, by that time, we've already given up being able to live up to all of this. And we hear, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. And we're probably not even really paying attention just yet. But think about that for a moment. What does it mean? What is that? How do those words even ring in your ears? To love the Lord your God with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. We've discussed before how love is not only desiring the good of the other. Because in that sense, it would be impossible to love God. There's nothing that, there's no good that we can, that we can contribute to God. God is the origin of all goodness. Love is also to cherish, to delight in the other, in the beloved. And that gives us perhaps a way forward in in making sense of these words, to love the Lord your God with all your mind. The ancient author, Pseudo Chrysostom, he has that name because there were ancient writings that were regarded originally as having been written by St. John Chrysostom and then with further analysis, not even modern analysis, but medieval analysis, uh, were obviously a different author. So Pseudo-John or Pseudo-John Chrysostom or Pseudo-Chrysostom still occupies a significant place in in the intellectual life of the church and even in the work of St. Thomas Aquinas. So this is St. Thomas Aquinas quoting Pseudo-Chrysostom in commenting on Matthew 22, 34 to 40. The Lord so answers him as at once to lay bare the dissimulation of his inquiry. Quote, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Thou shalt 
Love, unquote, not fear. For to love is more than to fear. To fear belongs to slaves. To love, to sons. Fear is in compulsion. Love in freedom. Whoever serves God in fear escapes punishment, but has not the reward of righteousness because he did dwell unwillingly through fear. God does not desire to be served servilely by men as a master, but to be loved as a father. For that he has given the spirit of adoption to men. And he continues. But to love God with the whole heart is to have the heart inclined to the love of no one thing more than of God. To love God again with the whole soul is to have the mind stayed upon the truth and to be firm in the faith. For, to, for the love of the heart and the love of the soul are different. The first is in a sort carnal, that we should love God even with our flesh, which we cannot do unless we first depart from the love of the things of this world. The love of the heart is felt in the heart, but the love of the soul is not felt, but is perceived because it consists in a judgment of the soul. For he who believes that all good is in God and that without him is no good, he loves God with his whole soul. To love God with the whole mind is to have all the faculties open and unoccupied for him. He only loves God with his whole mind, whose intellect ministers to God, whose wisdom is employed about God, whose thoughts travail in the things of God, and whose memory holds the things which are good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul all your mind. Here, these doctors of the church are distinguishing between the heart and the soul and, and, and describing the mind as really pertaining to the soul in this division where the loving God with your heart is something you feel. Loving God with your soul and with your mind is something that you perceive, but you but you don't feel it as directly. It means that God is not just the, the, the thing that we are always thinking about, but he is, he is the truth behind every truth. In the same way that he is the goodness behind every good. God is the answer to every question. There's no thing we can understand fully unless we understand God as creator, as, as the one who governs by providence, as the one who Im, Im, imbued this with purpose as the one whose glory is manifested through this creature. God's creation is so, so perfect that creatures in isolation have their own intelligibility. They make sense. They have a purpose. It's not like 
the teacher's notes that you can use, but they don't make any sense because it's just an outline and, and they, they're not self-explanatory, as opposed to the complete text, the complete book that, that needs no other commentary, it needs no other explanation. We're not created as, as beings that have obvious missing pieces, and well, that's only... You know, you have to, God's going to fill in for that part. But we, we appear to be whole and things appear to be whole. When they get sick and when they die, we realize something is missing. Something is terribly wrong. Really and truly, we can, we can study things, we can measure things without believing in God. We cannot understand anything unless we acknowledge God. These scholars of the law are trying to corner Jesus. This is the continuation of the conversation we heard last week. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to find something for which they can crucify him. When they finally have concocted lies so as to be able to construct a legal reason to kill him, and he's before Pontius Pilate, who continues to ask him questions as well. Our Lord speaks of his kingdom being not of this world. He also speaks of having come into this world to testify to the truth. And Pontius Pilate replies in something that we dismiss as being obtuse, but it may actually be just extraordinary candor. He says, what is truth? Our, our modern confusion, post-Christian civilization, would lead many people to insist there is no such thing as truth. That's not candor, that's despair. For some soul who only sees pleasure or who only sees power, truth is irrelevant. But for the soul who begins to recognize wisdom, who recognizes that things have purpose, And things have beauty. Truth matters. Put yourself in the shoes of someone who doesn't believe in one God. Who believes in a multiplicity of divine beings who are at war with each other. And the universe, therefore, is chaos. The question is, what do, you mean there's, what do you mean there's one truth? What do you mean there's one God? Nowadays, it would be very popular to excoriate those believers who simply like to comfort themselves with thoughts of God, who like to comfort themselves with truths and with dogmas, and who don't actually love with their heart. They don't love God. 
They don't love the poor. And that's a serious indictment for those of us who don't love the poor. It proves that we don't love God. It's also true that there are many people who have not attempted to connect their mind with Christ as though the truth of things can change. We certainly don't expect the laws of gravity to be different now than they were 2,000 years ago. So why would the laws of truth and honesty and fidelity be different now than they were then? Love the Lord with all your mind. God is the key to understanding everything. It doesn't mean he's the the primary cause of everything and is, and is manipulating everything directly and therefore randomly and therefore it can be contradictory. God is the supreme being who has created everything out of nothing, who is the reason for the consistency of the universe. That God who prefers to be hidden so as to only be recognized by those who seek him out is the God who always must be in the forefront of our thoughts and not just an object of our affections. And so we ask the Lord, the supreme teacher, to orient our minds to him, to recognize east and west, to recognize truth and falsehood. We ask him to give us the desire to live in the truth, to know the truth, to seek to understand him even in the limited condition in which we currently find ourselves, to look forward to understanding him fully in heaven, to be firm in our declaration that God is truth, and truth does not change. Truth is ever new, always relevant. It always gives us life, because our Lord is the way and the truth and the life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.